With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. guys this is the 3d dynasty podcast on the sports gambling podcast network brought to you by circus sports circus sports is back with their circus survivor and circa millions contest 14 million dollars up for grabs get all the details at circusports.com welcome in everybody it is it is scott fishbowl eve it is scott fishbowl kickoff it is everything scott fishbowl right now and we're going to talk scott fishbowl brought in one of my favorite analysts in the industry Pat Fitzmorris. Hey, Pat. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty giddy about the start of the Scott Fishball, as always. I mean, it's uh, it's like the, the mark of midsummer. You know you're like halfway through the summer when the Scott Fishball hits. Um, it's just – and it, it gets the juices flowing for the NFL season, man. It's, it's the kickoff of peak fantasy football season. It, it really is. And, you know, one of the things that I love about it is it really brings community together, talks, you know, you get to to, to really, um, really see the goodness of, of what can happen when, you know, when a community comes together, all the money that they that's raised, as well as all of the just all the different people coming out doing a lot of cool stuff and getting to interact with each other live events all over. So I'm going to live event in Cincinnati this week. Uh, I know they got, you know, about $10,000 worth of stuff they're giving away. Um, at, all you have to do is donate to be able to be a part of it. Uh, I think there's, how many, do you know how many live events there are? I'm not sure, um, but I'm doing the same thing you're doing in Chicago. Like, I won't be part of that draft, but I'm, just like I did last year, I'm going to go and hang out just because it's fun and I know a lot of those people and um, it's a good time. I want to be part of it. Yeah, and that's I'm not I'm not in that. I, of course, I'm I'm ready to pitch it if I need to, but um, but I'm just going there. I'm gonna do a card break. We're gonna give away some cards, and uh, we're gonna have some fun. And Brad, uh, what division are you in, Brad? Uh, I'm in the Papa John's this year. I was in the Akron division last year, uh, and uh, Conference Eight the year before that, and I, I went with my hometown favorite. Uh, Papa John Shatner out of Louisville, Kentucky, uh, right around where I grew up. So it worked out perfectly when I saw that opening at the 107 spot, which is a prime drafting location for Scott Fishbowl, in uh, Brad's opinion, anyway. I, I'm in the sixth spot. I'm in the Maruchin Ramen. Uh, basically, one of my buddies is in that league, so I, I joined it. Plus, the sixth spot was available, which I like. Pat, what are you in? I'm in the Culver's division, so, you know, Wisconsin-based burger chain. I'm a Wisconsin boy, and uh, my son was actually working at Culver's until just recently. So, um, 
Yeah, and I'm picking six. I, I seem to be, you know, of the same mind as you guys. I kind of like patrolling the middle. You know, the, the positional runs don't get away from you. Um, it's just kind of easy to, I don't know, stay on top of things. It's, it's not like you'll never get sniped in the middle, but you'll definitely not be, uh, you know, caught on the wrong end of any major positional runs. Yeah, I was I was at the 101 last year and I thought, okay, I'm going to go and start. I'm, I'm going to get a tight end now just because I'm afraid there's not going to be a tight end that comes back to me. Not a single tight end was drafted between my pick and my next pick, but there was about 15 or 16 receivers, which I should have went with. And so that was that was definitely my downfall. Still made the playoffs, but not as good of a team because of that receivers. So let's talk about the scoring this year. Um, but before that, I do have a dynasty dilemma for you, Pat. I'm sure you probably are in a bunch of dynasty leagues. You might commission a few. What are your What are your feelings about trade deadlines? I know some people are very against them. Some people are completely they they need to have them. They think it's it's really fair to have them, and some people just don't care. Oh man, I'm going to irritate some people by saying this, but I do um, prefer a deadline. And I do run a league, and we do have a deadline, and I think it's um, after, as soon as kickoff of whatever uh, whatever week, right after Thanksgiving. Like the Sunday after Thanksgiving, as soon as the noon games, uh, or the, the early games kick off, that's it. And then just shut down until the uh, fantasy championship is done, and then the next day people can trade again. But I just like... I found that, you know, even the people who are committed to not having trade deadlines will get ticked off if they are, you know, in championship contention and one of the other teams in championship contention swings a, a gigantic blockbuster trade for future assets for like this immediate windfall of talent. I just feel like when you're doing that, like before a wild card game or something like that, or, or before your division championship, like that's just, I don't know. It's a little beyond the pale for me. Um, you know, I think if you make the cutoff late in the regular season, it's sort of fair. Everyone knows what they're dealing with as the, you know, the playoff push comes to a head. I just I don't like those big deals that can really tilt the scales during the playoffs or you know just before the start of the playoffs. Yeah, and so um, mine are usually the like the kickoff of playoff week. So if Thursday night at eight o'clock, that's that that's the, the the done. So you see a bunch of deals happen, but at that point you have a week where everyone knows who's in, who's out. And then you can make decisions right there versus like, you know, people making decisions in the playoffs or making decisions three or four weeks when you don't really know if you're going to make it or not. Brad, any strong, any, any quick uh, opinions on that? Yeah. The one, the one thing I would add is especially from a dynasty perspective, longevity is key. And when you have what Pat's example was of this windfall of talent and future asset picks and all these things happen at the championship week or during the playoffs, you can find yourselves in a situation where you have a team that is almost unfillable if that owner decides to move on and leave the league. I have had instances where I've had to pay, you know, offer to pay the first two years of entry fee 
just because that player had no, you know, players that were aged out had no picks for the future, uh, you know, next couple years. And to say, hey, look, I know, I get it. I will cover your entry fee for the next couple years just to keep the league going because it was one that had been going for a long time. So just keep longevity in mind uh, when you, you're making these decisions because that's really the, you know, that's the whole reason you play Dynasty is to be playing for a long time with people that you enjoy playing with. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of you need to pay. If you, if you trade like a future first-round pick, you need to pay that year in advance. Some people do any pick, any future pick, but I, I think at least a first-round pick. If Pat wants to trade, it's 2024 first. I'm going to say, Pat, this trade can go through as soon as you pay your dues next year. And so if Pat ends up wanting to go all in and trade all of his picks, then that team you know, that you just you know deserted, I can just hand that over to Brad and say, Pat's already paid the next two years. Um, before we get into the scoring, I want to make sure to talk to you guys about Circa Sports. Uh, Circa Millions and Circa are back. Uh, Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes up for grabs. Circa Millions, five NFL picks against the spread each week. Circa Survivor, just pick a different money, money line winner each week. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there la- the last weekend in August. CircaSports.com for all the details. CircaSports.com. What would you do with all the money if you won? I mean, we'd probably join a whole bunch of dynasty leagues. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, the kids would definitely get some fresh gear. Uh, my, my wife would get all the pool upgrades that she wants. Um, let's talk about the scoring. And so the scoring for the Scott Fishbowl is always so fun. It's just as fun as seeing all the, the waves of all the entries. Passing touchdowns, six points. Completion bonuses of .1. First downs, .1 for quarterbacks, well, for all passing. One point for 25 yards, two points per two-point conversions. No more negatives for sacks. No more negatives for, um, you know, you don't have that Jared Goff, uh, you know, negative six points, um, Jameis Winston kind of deal. Uh, what are your thoughts there about that? That really does help the pocket passers out quite a bit in balancing the scoring. It does help the pocket passers. Um Although I think, you know, with the rushing, uh, the, the half point for first down, that maybe, you know, tilts things back towards the running quarterbacks a little. Yeah, I mean, I, I it does help the uber-efficient guys. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I know people felt that Derek Carr got a big value bump out of the scoring system. And, um, you know, that the high-efficiency guys, maybe this is a good Jared Goff scoring system. So um, it's definitely something worth considering, especially for your second quarterback. I think yeah. I, I still would prefer to have a mobile quarterback be my first pick. But, um, yeah, it alters what type of, of second quarterback I think you're looking at quite a bit in a lot of cases. And so, Brad, a six-point rushing TD, one point uh, per 10 yards, two points, two-point conversion, one point per first down, 0.25 per carry. That uh, definitely helps your Nick Chubbs out there, your J.K. Dobbins, the guys that Brad really likes that don't really catch the ball as much. Yeah, it 100% does. But on the flip side of that, just like Pat was talking about for the rushing quarterbacks and the pocket-passing quarterbacks, that little bump in receiving still gives those PPR running backs a little bit more value. So even though you're going to see Damian Pierce's, you know, maybe scoot above that 300 fantasy point per season threshold, 
you're going to see some of these PPR, a lot more of the PPR fantasy running backs, most likely over the 400 point threshold, which kind of negates the the plus that you're getting out of those first through, you know, first through second down, first and second out running backs. Yeah, and as far as the receiving, six point receiving touchdown, one point for 10 yards, two points for two point conversions, one point per first down, one full point per reception. The tight ends get an extra one point per first down, one point. So a double, it's really like a double, double tight end premium. Um, you get the double reception, double first down. Um, it's definitely a super tight end premium. Then you get the kicker, which it's a kicker premium league because they get 3.3 points for made extra points. Then it's 37 yarder, 3.7, um, t- uh, 24 would be 2.4. So if they get a 57 yard field goal, it's 57. And I'll tell you right now, you see it in my mock draft. It will show in a second. Last year, I was starting three or four kickers after like week four when bye weeks were happening and my really weak receiver room that was waiting on Michael Thomas that never happened. I was just throwing in kickers and I had Daniel Carlson and some and Brett, Brett Maher and they carried me to the playoffs. My kickers were like the strength of my team and they could put up some good points. Um, six point special teams. And then if anyone recovers a ball in the end zone, it's also six points. Anything to add on that, Pat? No, uh, I'm probably going to draft a couple kickers this year. I don't think I did last year. Um, and I get the impression that people think the Scott Fishball scoring is sort of, um, I don't know, that it punishes wide receivers. I feel like people tend not to draft wide receivers nearly as aggressively as they do at best balls or, or home leagues. And um, I don't know. I mean, I still feel like the better, the more wide receiver heavy my rosters have been, the more emphasis I've put on that position, the better I've done in past Scott Fishbowls. I just think it always, it's when you can acquire really good wide receivers in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round of the Scott Fishbowl draft, and then you can, you know, plow four or five receivers into flex spots. I don't know. I, I, kind of like to roll that way sometimes. So um, sometimes I'm, I'm not as true to the wide receiver heavy build as I always plan to be going in. But, um, you know, the way people fade receivers in the Scott Fishbowl draft makes me want to draft them uh, aggressively that much more. Can I add something to yeah. kind of what Pat said? There was one one thing I really wanted to get out to, you know, those that are listening in that are in the Scott Fishbowl um, I, I've done, you know, got lucky enough to do pretty well the last couple of years. And I noticed the key is that ninth, 10th and 11th round. If you can hit on specifically the wide receivers in those rounds, you are money. So if I go back to Scott Fishbowl 11, I was able to take Debo Samuel in the 10th round. That was the year he was wide receiver three. Last year in Scott Fishbowl 12, I got Devontae Smith in the ninth round, wide receiver nine, getting James. There are other value picks in there, whether you look at James Conner two years ago, he was RB5 coming off in the 11th round. Kenneth Walker in the 10th round last year, RB9 after he took over the reins from week six on. That's the sweet spot. If you can hit those late round wide receivers, and obviously you got to do well in the earlier rounds, but that's where the difference maker is, is in those three rounds from my experience the last couple of years that have really kind of kind of pole vaults your team into the into the finals or the semifinals. Anything to add to that, Pat? 
I agree. I mean, wow, getting uh, getting Debo that late that year, that was obviously, uh, you know, with the season he had, I can see why that was just huge for Brad. <laughs> well, um, I, I want to make sure just before we get into the mock draft to make sure everyone knows about Underdog Fantasy, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL you know, Pat does it, season, player-long props. you got many ways to win over at Underdog, and, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So I, I'm I'm six. I gave Pat six because I want to see what he does. Brad seven. But I'm picking from the one spot in this one. And I went with Patrick Mahomes. And um, I want to shout out some of the, the tools out there. There's obviously a lot of podcasts and live streams. Go check them out. But um, Scott Rainier put a, a great post. Peter Howard put out a great post. Just different projections using this scoring model. Rotoviz has some things. Um, Addison Hayes, it's a dollar donation, and you get his access to his full spreadsheet. That'll show you how players would have done last year with this scoring um linda lyons uh she put something out she loves kickers so she put something out with kickers um but there's just a lot of stuff out there so all you do is just type in sfb13 and google or on uh, twitter or whatever and you can find a lot of great resources and there's some drafts happening right now so you can look at the adp kind of see what people are doing and uh what i found out is mahomes isn't traditionally the the, the 101 for a lot of people Pat, any resources you want to plug? Um, no, those are all really good ones you mentioned, and uh, it concerns me that Addison Hayes is so uh, in tune to the scoring system because I believe he's in my division this year. So uh, that that's worrisome. Hey, you just got to pay a dollar and you get access to all his stuff. Nice. I may have to do that so I can pick his brain and uh, you know use it against him in our draft. So I'm going to go through the first 12 picks, and then we'll just talk about them. Um, Mahomes at one, Hurts at two, Allen at three, Burrow at four, Jackson five, Fields at seven, Herbert eight. Um, actually, six was Fields, seven was Herbert, eight was Chase, nine was Jefferson, 10 was Lawrence, 11 was Kelsey, 12 was Christian McCaffrey. Pat, what stood out to you in this first round? The quarterback run, for sure, just at, at the top. Um, you know, and I kind of thought maybe – Either Burrow or Lamar Jackson might get to me at 106. Wasn't the case. And, uh, you know, I was I was content to go with Fields. The other thing, I guess, that stood out, 
Um, there's no way Travis Kelsey is lasting till the 11th pick in a Scott Fishbowl draft. And, uh, you know, I was really tempted to take him at 106. Um, I, I just, I always hate what my build looks like when I go tight end. You know, if I, I cave and take Kelsey in the first round. So, um, yeah, yeah you, I guess the, the Kelsey slippage and then just the big quarterback run to, to come right out of the gate. You could make an argument for Kelsey at the 101 with this format. I mean, uh, it's five points if he catches a 10-yard first down. It's just ridiculous. And he did that like 82 times last year. So, um, Brad, anything that stood out to you? Again, our picks, I took Mahomes at one. Uh, Pat took uh, Fields at six. And then uh, Brad took Herbert at seven. We all went quarterback. Brad, any thoughts on anything in this round? I, th- I think seeing the first running back come off the board, not until pick 12 is interesting to me. Uh, and then I was completely shocked that Herbert is the seventh quarterback off the board right now. That just scream screams value. Don't reach for something in the first round. Just take what falls to you. If, if those guys are gone, and let's say you're not a, a believer in Lamar Jackson's return to greatness or or Justin Fields or whatever, you're staring at Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Don't overthink it. Take the value there, especially even if you're in the back end of the first. Don't reach for somebody if you're like, oh, man, I, I got to have a quarterback right now. I got to have a quarterback right now. And you're looking at Travis Kelsey at 111. Right? Do you would you rather have Travis Kelsey or Dak Prescott? You know, uh, it just it seems pretty straightforward to me in the first round. Take that value. Yeah, and so the second round we saw Barkley, Diggs, Cup, Dijon, Tyree Kill, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Austin Eckler, Ceedee Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Monroe St. Brown, and AJ Brown. So Pat, anything that stood out to you in that round? Just a star-studded round. I mean, like I, I. I think all the picks were pretty other than Barkley. Like I think Barkley went a little too early uh, at 201, but pretty much every, like, I mean, I'd be pretty elated if I got Jonathan Taylor at 210 uh, in the Scott fishbowl, or for that matter, AJ Brown or Amon Ross St. Brown at the, the end of the second round. So like for me personally, like Dak was the last quarterback. I, I generally don't like going quarterback, quarterback in a super flex draft, but like Dak was the last guy that I would have been willing to do that with there. So, uh, you know, lock up the quarterback position and uh, he gives me sort of a different profile than I get with Fields, my first round quarterback. Yeah. And so Brad took Deshaun Watson to, to balance with Herbert, um, we could see a lot. We had Michael F. Florio on the show, and he, he talked a little bit about, you know, don't think that he's not going to run the ball anymore. Last year, there was no reason for him to run the ball when he just was getting familiar with that offense. They were, you know, pretty much out of the playoffs the time he took over. And, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't look like himself, but he was probably coached a little bit to just to take it easy. Um, we expect him to be not, I don't know if he's going to be back to normal, but more himself this year. Um, with everything he went through um, the last couple of seasons. Um, Brad, anything stick out to you other than, I mean, my question to you guys is Bijan, is that too early for Bijan? No, I don't I don't think so. I think you, like Pat was talking about, I wouldn't have been shocked if he was the number two running back off the board. Now, maybe that's the dynasty, Brad, coming out, saying that a little bit. But if Atlanta runs the ball 
the volume and the amount that they ran the ball last year and Bijan gets all of that, I mean, that he's going to smash that ADP. Um, and then the, the last one is getting Cooper Cup as the fourth receiver off the board. It It's like people looked at it and was like, oh, well, he burned me last year, but he really burned you because he got hurt, not because he w- didn't play well when he was on the field. So getting Cooper Cup in the, you know, the front end of the second is a, is a really nice value, I think. I think it's extremely important in the second round to remember there is a third round reversal. And so you might be sitting there at the 212 or the 211 or the 210 and go, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get Kirk Cousins on the, on the way back, or I'm going to get, you know, Brees Hall on the way back. I can take this other guy. You're not because it's going to flip on you and you, you need to make sure. Um, Another thing I did want to point out, I do think there's a difference with sleeper in my fantasy league. Sleeper, I believe you have to put a kicker, and and it's just flexed for my fantasy league. You don't have to play a kicker, but again, I'm I'm telling people they probably should play multiple, um, especially during those bye weeks. But um, third round starts on the right, and that's going to be Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Brees Hall, Tua, Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson, Mark Andrews, Chris Olave, Josh Jacobs, Kirk Cousins. Jalen Waddle and T. Higgins. Pat, anything stick out to you in this round? No, fairly predictable, I would say, for the most part. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys who went in the third round, I think, deserve to go in the third round. Um, you know, I felt like personally the the value in Andrews was too good to pass up there. The the second best tight end. I think in most Scott Fishball drafts, I expect him to go like early second. So to get him in the mid-third, um, if that was just value. I couldn't pass up. And that would be a rarity for me, Dave, because I don't think I've ever had like a, a really good tight end in the Scott Fishball. Like I always, people are always jumping at tight ends in my division. And like I've just never gotten one of the really elite ones. Yeah, and you know, it, it is, every, every draft is a little different. And you get, uh, I've heard a lot of people that are big proponents of being, you know, the bully tight end strategy where they get three or four tight ends in the first five picks. Um, and then you might get, you know, the, like drafts like ours where we got a whole bunch of quarterbacks. I did plug in all the Scott Fishbowl settings. Um, I do know that we're going against computers, so it's a little bit different than having 12 people. But I, I'm pretty sure I looked at 12 Scott Fishbowl drafts last year, and they all were different. I mean, the ADP is just – there's so many different ways to build a team, and there's a lot of ways to do it right. It's not just one way, and that's what's so fun about the Scott Fishbowl. Um, for me, I, I think, you know, you're still seeing a lot of good receivers and running backs off the board where you're comfortable with some of these guys in the third round being your wide receiver one, your – your um you know your your running back one and you're only we've only seen two tight ends go off the board but I, I think Kelsey's just so far ahead of everybody else. Fourth round we have Ramondre Stevenson, DK Metcalf, Tony Pollard, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, Drake London, Ken Walker, Daniel Jones, TJ Hawkinson, Jameer Gibbs, Debo Samuel, Travis Etienne. Pat, anything stand out in this round? Not especially like I, the the running back um, 
value here was pretty good. I thought with you getting Ramondre at 401, Pollard going 403, Najee going 405, um, to get, you know, either high volume running backs or high efficiency running backs or, or combinations of both maybe with Ramondre, um, in the fourth round is pretty nice, especially in the fishbowl where, you know, running backs, the, the half point per first down does tend to favor the running backs and, um, you know, drive up value. And I think that's the perception among drafters. You typically see running backs driven up the board. But uh, for those three guys to be here in the fourth round, pretty nice. Yeah, uh, I've, I've gone running back early in a lot of previous drafts and wanted to try something different. Uh, I felt felt good about how this one ended with with getting Stevenson as my RB one in the fourth round, um, and like you said, Tony Pollard, Najee Harris. We've been doing uh, we've been using Mike Clay's projections and just going into them as part of our recaps and looking at you know what can we project for this year, and you know Stevenson, Pollard, Harris, like these guys are projected to get 350 touches, and in this type of a setting where volume is king. Um, those guys are, are really, uh, really nice. And then you have Josh Jacobs right ahead of them. So, Brad, anything on this round for you? Yeah, I've got – here's the first negative. Now, I, you'll see maybe when we get to, I don't know, the seventh round, my bias a little bit here. I think Debo in the fourth, that's that's the ceiling for him to be – I get it. He had a wide receiver eight season but that was on the back of enormous rushing volume and touchdowns as well. And I just don't see that in the cards for him moving forward with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, both healthy and running the ball. Brock Purdy's not going to throw enough to really be able to produce super high wide receiver numbers. And when I can get Brandon Ayuk, who actually finished way above Debo Samuel last season in fantasy points per game, three rounds later, the again, the value is there. And I feel like it's a little bit of a reach for Debo. Yeah. And I, I agree. And so uh, fifth round, Richardson, Goff, Rogers, Keenan Allen, Geno Smith, Cooper, Watson, Ridley, Kittle, Aaron Jones, Hopkins, Wilson. Uh, Pat, what, what sticks out to you in this round? Uh, that there were five quarterbacks taken in the second, third, and fourth rounds combined, and then five quarterbacks in this round. So people were getting busy grabbing their quarterbacks. I thought it was interesting to see Anthony Richardson go at 501, um, right ahead of Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith. And like, I can't imagine this scoring system really benefits Anthony Richardson with the, uh, you know, rewards for completions and penalties for incompletions like i understand pursuing the running ability and that ceiling that he gives you as a guy who could potentially you know do something similar to what justin fields did last year and run for 1100 yards but man i think he's going to get punished probably with the passing not that i don't think he can become a decent passer but his rookie year probably isn't going to be real pretty for him as a passer yeah, this is, and that's their QB1, um, and this is a redraft format, um, and you got very efficient passers right behind him. Like, Geno Smith was the most efficient passer in the league last year. Rodgers is always up there. Goff was excellent, um, and he added you know, Jameer Gibbs to his weaponry. And then Russell Wilson gets, uh, you know, addition by subtraction with Hackett being out of there, and then 
add Sean Payton, one of the you know most one of the, one of the best offensive coordinators you know in, in my time. So, um, Brad, what are your thoughts about this round? Wide receiver value round five. These are all five guys that would not shock me to be top. 12 at the position by the end of the season and they're being drafted at wide receiver 18 19 20 21 and 22 you think about keenan allen consistently when healthy a top 12 wide receiver deandre hopkins consistently top 12 amari cooper looked like he could be last year we'll see what happens christian watson the alpha on his team down the field threat with a new quarterback and calvin ridley coming back with trevor lawrence peaking uh, as a new young quarterback. I just think the wide receiver value here is really nice with a pretty large upside for all of them. Yeah, I, I will say this. Being at the end of this round sucked. Seeing Goff, Rodgers, and Geno go off the board. Um, those are guys that I'm really targeting. I'd like to go with a, a top quarterback and then give me Goff or Rodgers or Geno as my second quarterback. So unless you're in the ramen division, uh, that's, that's what I'm planning on doing. So um, as far as Hopkins and, and Dalvin Cook in the next round, Pat, I was going to put a post out today of just asking DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook if they could please sign with teams now before the Scott Fishbowl on Monday because every year there's a wild card. We had Tyreek Hill's suspension a few years ago, Deshaun Watson last year. Um, it's not injuries. It's suspensions or other stuff. This year we have the unknown and – you know, you could go and, you know, you could draft a running back like Ramondre Stevenson. They signed Dalvin Cook tomorrow. Or you can go get Traylon Burks early because he's the number one, and then they, they signed Roger Hopkins. So what are your thoughts there about how are you handling Dalvin Cook and uh, um, uh, Hopkins? Yeah, that's worrisome. Um, and, and like you said, Dave, there's going to be a domino effect with guys who could potentially be affected. Uh, you know, like I'm – not that he's an early round pick, but I'm a big fan of Devon A-Chain. Like, I mean, I used to, uh, last year I was watching Texas A&M games, uh, you know, even though they weren't especially good, just because I wanted to see A-Chain play. And um, if Dalvin Cook lands in Miami, that obviously dampens enthusiasm for Devon A-Chain and what he might be able to do as a rookie. Um, Traylon Burks, same thing. And uh, there are other guys too, like, Zeke Elliott's going to be somewhere. Leonard Fournette's going to be somewhere. Kareem Hunt is going to be somewhere. Not that those guys are going to necessarily come in and be workhorses, but they're going to clog up a committee and maybe, you know, shove some guys aside or, or reduce the roles of others. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things pending. And, you know, we also kind of left out the Alvin Kamara suspension. If, if indeed that happens, I mean, maybe somehow that can can be kicked down the road and someone gets a full season out of Kamara. Or maybe he does get suspended and it's a much heavier suspension than anyone expects and he misses like 10 or 12 games instead of six. So, yeah, there are a lot of variables and that definitely makes drafting in early July a challenge. Yeah, and I see some comments in the chat. Yeah, Sam Howell's going to go much higher. Um, I agree with you, absolutely. Brad, any thoughts on this round before we go to the next round? Nope, not anything else. Uh, next round was Judy, Dobbins, Gobert, uh, Gobert, Goddard, McLaurin, Pierce, DJ Moore, DeAndre Swift, Michael Pittman, uh, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Derek Carr, and Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, For me, what stands out, DeAndre Swift, 
he's dropped so far and I know he's punished a lot of people, but he's really becoming a value. Um, this, this running back value really stands out to me in this round. Pat, what are your thoughts? Same. And, um, to me, like Mixon, I'm not especially feeling great about Mixon for this year, but boy, to get him at 610 and even Miles Sanders, like I know, yes, he had a great situation last year, um, you know, on this run heavy team and, and having a really mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, which we know spikes the efficiency of running backs and having a great offensive line. But I still feel like Sanders is going to get a lot of carries for Carolina this year and, and that offensive line isn't bad so like <clears throat> there's some value maybe to him in the late sixth round yep brad uh wide receivers i don't like any of them in this round and all of them have upside and i get it but the this is where i start to concern myself with the wide receiver core in the sixth and the seventh round it's a little early it's a little bit of a dead zone to me there's a lot of, well, we hope Jerry, Judy, and Russell Wilson can get it going. Well, we hope that Baker Mayfield can make Mike Evans useful. Uh, well, we hope Justin Fields and DJ Moore work well together. Oh, is Anthony Richardson going to be able to highly target Michael Pittman? Maybe, maybe not. There's a lot of question marks in these two rounds at the wide receiver position, which is why if you can get them early, in my opinion, you're probably a little bit better off and letting somebody else possibly get burned uh, with Sam Howell and Terry McLaurin or Russell Wilson or Jarrett Stidham based on kind of what they're talking about in camp. I don't think Jarrett Stidham's starting just to just throw that out there, but there's just a little too many question marks here. So, yeah. And I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I'm looking at like the eighth round is kind of the cutoff and those guys, I don't even really think should be in the eighth round, but like Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett, I'm comfortable with them being, you know, uh, two or three on my team. But after that, it gets pretty ugly. Um, as far as the next round, we had Cam Akers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I think if, especially if this dynasty people in the draft, going to go a lot <laughs> higher than that. Uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, Jordan Love, Christian Kirk, Matthew Stafford, Darren Waller. And so I have to ask, I was listening to our show, Brad, and you and I had a, had a varying uh, opinions on Matthew Stafford. And I know we, we are a little opposite on Jordan Love as well. So, Pat, what are your thoughts about Jordan Love and Matthew Stafford just for 2023? All right. Well, I'm a Packers fan. I'm not wildly optimistic about Jordan Love, although I might be biased because I just hated the pick when it was made. I thought, you know, they – a quarterback was, um, I don't know, trading up for a quarterback when you've got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I thought it was really silly. But, man, we just don't know. We don't know. He made one start, and it was against the Chiefs in 2021 when Rodgers had COVID, and the Chiefs blitzed the hell out of him, and he didn't handle it well. And uh, But then again, Patrick Mahomes didn't play that well that day either. Um and then, like, he looked great in mop-up duty against the Eagles last year when the, the Eagles were swabbing the deck with the Packers and they were, you know, it was just uh, blowout time in the second half. He looked really good in that game, but then again, the Eagles were playing, like, this really soft coverage with the big lead. So yeah. it's there's just been nothing 
really to sink your teeth into in the evaluation of Jordan Love so far. And Stafford, like, I'm just worried about the fitness of his arm. Like, the, the injuries have now, kind of, like, he's had, what, back issues in the past. Elbow. Now he's had issues with, like, the throwing arm. I'm a little worried he doesn't make it through the season. Um, you know, like, not getting the rushing yardage isn't going to kill you as much in this format. And if he's your second quarterback, you know, I mean, this is a guy who could possibly complete you know, a pretty good percentage of his passes and, and throw for more than 4,000 yards. But, you know, I just, I do worry about the uh, ability to stay healthy over the full season. Yeah. And, and I, everyone, you're always looking for that edge and you're trying to look at how can I gain value? And you look at these quarterbacks, especially, you know, your second quarterback, as a way to gain some value can i how late can i wait to get that second quarterback if i don't go like fields watson or, or herbert watson what do, how do i get that value and stafford is a guy that people target because of how good he's been in the past um and i feel like there's a lot of guys with a lot of question marks and whoever guesses right is gonna get a big reward but it's pretty risky after round five. Brian, anything to add? Don't plan on Pitts and Waller being there in the seventh. Like, if you're looking at this and you're like, oh, all right, I definitely want to wait on tight end because I think Darren Waller for the Giants is going to have a monster year and be a top three tight end again because of targets. And the wide receiving room at New York is suspect, right? They add a lot of speed. We just don't know what it looks like. They're not going to be there at the seventh round. Like this is, they get an extra PPR point. They get an extra first down point. These guys will be long gone. So don't wait too long on tight end. If you want one of those top six or seven guys. Yeah. I'd move the tight ends up at least a round or two for, for each of them. Um, And then for the, you know, you know, Cam Akers is an interesting player. Looked really good at the end of last year. Looks like he's going to get a lot of volume. Um, Next round, Alexander Madison, James Conner, Javante Williams, Rashad White, Bryce Young, Deontay Johnson, David Montgomery, Tyler Lockett, Kyler Murray, Isaiah Pacheco, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston. Um, for me, I, I think Kyler Murray is going to be an interesting player because just like last year, like some people were getting, you know, getting Deshaun Watson late, hoping they could make the playoffs. Then boom, insert Deshaun Watson, you're going to go to the you know the championship. I don't know if Kyler Murray plays at all this year. Um, I just don't know what's going to happen. Like if they bring him back week seven or eight and they're one and seven, like what does that look like? But maybe I'm just being pessimistic. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts here about this round and Kyler Murray? Really good point on Kyler Murray. I mean, there is definitely a disincentive to rushing him back this year for a team that's clearly in rebuilding, if not tanking mode. So, um, yeah, this was kind of an interesting round um, with the way the receivers went. And I I do think, Dave, you said it earlier with after Deontay and Tyler Lockett. I don't know that the bottom necessarily falls out because I like some of the receivers who went in the following round, too. But they're younger guys and not as certain. And things are definitely starting to get shaky here at wide receiver. And by the way, if I can just go back to round seven for a second, I just need to say that 
freaking Brad just gutted me when he took Brandon Ayuk uh, <laughs> ahead of me there. Like that was, I was well, really you got wishing me back with Deontay Johnson because that's what I, I was going to okay, take, and he was gone. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, I was really wishing it had been a bot in front of me in, instead of you, Brad, because that was. I'm I'm just glad that hadn't happened during an actual uh, my actual Scott Fishbowl draft. I would have just been crushed by that because, you know, I wound up taking Mike Evans, and uh, you know, like what Brad was saying before about Brandon Ayuk, how he should not be going so much later than Debo. I agree. I mean, I think Ayuk is, is terrific and the seventh round is just ridiculous value. Yeah. Yeah. And Tyler Lockett that I saw a stat from PFF about, um, you know, receivers that were like how, what the percentage of how open they were on routes and Tyler Lockett was number one over Cooper cup. He was, he was open on like 70% of his routes. Wow. Like, he's just a great receiver. He's really been underrated for most of his career. And because of his size, people have just never really seen him as, you know, being one of the top receivers in the league. But this guy gets open, and so does Deontay Johnson. And that's why you see such high, uh, you know, completion percentage for guys like Geno, where they can just have guys wide open. And that's why you see so many targets go to Deontay Johnson. Like you're taught from a very young age, you throw to the open guy and Deontay is always open. And that's why he leads the Steelers in targets every single year. Um, Alexander Madison. Uh, I want to ask about him, Pat. I feel like he's probably going to go a little bit higher um, because, you know, this ADP maybe hasn't caught up with the news. Um, what are your thoughts on Madison? Do you, do you feel comfortable with him as your RB2? I do feel comfortable with him as my RB2, not as my RB1. Um, probably far-fetched to think that he's going to serve a workhorse role there. I mean, I think it's probably going to be, um, you know, supporting roles from some combination of uh, Dwayne McBride, Ty Chandler, Kenny Wongwu. Um, but he is going to get the, the leading role, the head of the committee role, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, to get him there is pretty good value. And it's, it's kind of weird. Like I, I thought we were going to get a big spike in his ADP and it has not gone up as high as I thought it was going to go up. There's, there's a lot. I had Marcus Grant on the show. And the first thing he said was, the inst- instantly when um, two things happened when uh, Dalvin Cook got cut, Alexander Madison went on trade blocks, and then everybody threw out their their zag. So everybody you know that was zigging towards Alexander Madison, everyone else wanted to outsmart that person. And it's Ty Chandler. It's Ng- I keep saying you you said the name right, Ngagwe, Wangwu, Wangwu. And then, uh, you know, um, and then Dwayne McBride and like, and I get it. Like Madison's been in the league for a while. He's never been the the guy, but there was a lot of people that just were like instantly going. And I think that's really suppressed the value. And that's what I was worried about as someone that likes Madison. I like Madison and I like his cost, but I'm not going to take, you know, Allison and Madison over Josh Jacobs. Like there's a, there's gotta be a price point. And so if he's in the sixth round, I'll, I'll be, I'll be interested um, but anything higher than that, I'm I'm probably out. Going on to the, the next round, um, Evan Ingram, again, probably a little bit higher than this um, for these tight ends here. But Evan Ingram, Kamara, Burks, Farmuth, Njoku, 
Um, Dotson, Gibson, Schultz, Charbonnet, Pickens, Cooks, Cook. Brad, thoughts on this round? I, I, I This is where I talked about it earlier, the 9th, 10th, 11th. This is where you're looking for those guys where you, you – who's going to hit? Who, who has the most potential – at jumping this ADP and just destroying it. That's what you want out of these guys. And when you see the James Cooks of the world, okay, well, does he get what he got at the back end of the year? Or does he get kind of vultured because of Damian Harris? Do you see George Pickens take that next step after an 800-yard rookie season? Do you see Jahan Dotson takes that next step because after a seven-touchdown rookie season? Now you're looking for who's going to hit, and I think some of these wide receivers really could. And again, I got to make my yearly plug for Antonio Gibson. He is the best running back on that team, in Brad's opinion. He can pass catch, and now you bring in Eric Bieniemy. You hope that he realizes the potential that Gibson has, and this guy can be a league winner for I don't know. I've been saying it like three years in a row now. So well and and then um Kareem Hunt signs there the day after you pick him. <laughs> um Eric the enemy's boy. Um I'm just making that part up. But uh Pat, any thoughts on this round other than the fact that tight ends are, are are probably you know too too good to be true here? Well, I guess Brad and I are members of the uh mutual commanders admiration society here because I love <laughs> Jahan Dotson. I mean, like he had he still been around, he might have tempted me into picking a sixth straight wide receiver. Um, yeah, I really like Dotson. But yeah, this was kind of an interesting round with running back uncertainty. Like in the, the previous round, we had seen guys like Madison, James Conner, Rashad White, uh, David Montgomery. Guys who are going to seemingly have pretty certain roles. But man, then you get to the uh, ninth round and you've got, you know, James Cook, who I don't think anyone really knows quite what he's going to be or what kind of role he's going to have exactly just yet. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, very in, very curious to see how roles are divided in Seattle. Gibson, who, you know, Scott Turner didn't seem to like. Hopefully Eric Bieniemy is more fond of him than Scott Turner was. And uh, Alvin Kamara, who obviously has all the uncertainty hanging over his head. So, yeah, the uh, sure things are pretty much gone at running back, I guess, after after round eight. And, uh, you know, we're left with hopes and prayers here. Yeah, James Conner, best value. I, I, I'm with you, man. I think he's going to he's gonna eat a lot. Um, Brad and I talked a little bit. We talked about the uh, NFC West last week. And, um, you know, we talked about, you know, handcuffing him with Keontae Ingram, um, you know, because of how cheap Ingram is. But, He's just – it looks like this offense is going to be James Conner and Colt McCoy. Um, it, it's probably going to be a lot of James Conner this year. And in this format, he's a massive value, and people are just sleeping on him because it's a, it's a bad um, bad offense. Um, yeah, with uh, you know Dave Montgomery going back to him, we saw how valuable Jamal Williams was. We don't expect Dave Montgomery to get 17 touchdowns, but I thought going back to that round before – Absolutely love those three picks, the Johnson, Montgomery, and Lockett. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked earlier about how things can be kind of crazy. Camara suspension looming is going to make him lower. And so if it uh, comes out, you know, in, in August that he's a two-game suspension, that person's going to get a massive value at, you know, at the nine. If it's a six-game suspension. It's going to be a tough one to swallow as your, you know, second or third running back. 
Um, the next round, Jamison Williams, Kadarius Tony, Gabriel Davis, AJ Dillon, J- uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Rashad Penny, Samaj P. Ryan, Brian Robinson, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton. Uh, thoughts here, Pat? Eight wide receivers in this round and guys with big ranges of outcomes. Kadarius Toney, um, you know, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Michael Thomas. Um, it, so, yeah, some really interesting guys there. You took Jamison Williams, who, um, you know, I certainly would have gone much higher than this if not for the suspension. But, man, if you can weather the storm without him and then get him back and he's like your, uh, what, Hold on, I'm looking at your roster here. Your fourth receiver. Like, that's that's a nice way to add a very potent weapon at wide receiver pretty late in the draft. Yeah, that's uh, that was what I'm going for there. Um, Brad, anything on here? I like your P. Ryan pick. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, me too, or I wouldn't have picked him. But I think there's, there's four wide receivers that hit that mark of what I was talking about, Devonta Smith or Debo in the ninth, 10th round, Kenneth Walker, the back half of the season. You already talked about one in Jamal Williams. You know he's coming back in week seven, and he could be an extremely talented player for your team. Kadarius Tony is number two. Elijah Moore, who I think is, is severely undervalued in the 10th round. Now that may be some of my Cleveland Browns fandom coming out. And then Rashad Bateman, uh, who I put out a tweet around this, this dude's metrics last year when playing are very, very good. And if he, I, I mean, his challengers is a 30 year old guy who hasn't really played football in the last two years uh, and a rookie. So Bateman, I think, is a very good breakout candidate for that third-year breakout that used to be a very common thing that's now just kind of been thrown to the wayside because of the likes of guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Garrett Wilson and Lave and those guys. So I think those four are great picks in this round that could give you that jump uh, that you're looking for out of your late-round wide receivers. So and we're just going to go through a few more rounds before we run out of time. But, uh, Pat, anything else on this round? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I did like the running backs who went relative to, uh, you know, where in the draft they went. Like, I, I don't love A.J. Dillon, but getting him in the 10th round, not bad. I mean, I took Rashad Penny, who I think probably is the inside track on early down duty for the Eagles. And, uh, you know, Brad, nice pick with P. Ryan and, and Brian Robinson, even though, you know, I, I love Antonio Gibson. Robinson's not a bad value in the 10th. Yeah. Uh, and then to the next round, we have Flowers, Komet, A-Chain, Mooney, Herbert, Kincaid, Pickett, Elijah Mitchell, Conquo, Jamal Williams, Greg Dolchik, and then you have Brock Purdy. A lot of question marks, but some guys with some high ceilings here. If A Chain is the top guy over there and gets gets you know the 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 uh, volume that the A Chain truthers would would enjoy, that could be a big one. If Dalvin Cook goes there, it, it's not too bad because you're getting him in the eleventh round. Um, Herbert, uh, I know there's there's you know stands out there for him. Eleventh round is is a low risk, um, and then you have uh, Chig, who I think is going to go higher than this, and Dalton are guys that people really, really are excited about. And then again, we talked about Evan Kamara, potential suspension. Jamal Williams' ADP would skyrocket if that were to happen. Um, and then I took Mr. Uh, Mr. Purdy. 
Pat, 202. 202. 202. Stamp. <laughs> copy and paste like a factory. Um, Pat, what are your thoughts on this round? Yeah, let's talk about Purdy for a second. I mean, it, I'm really interested to see where he's going to go and where Trey Lance is going to go and even where Sam Darnold is going to go in Scott Fishbowl drafts. Like, people are going to have to uh, show their cards, I think, because I I don't know. Like, I haven't seen – I've seen a lot of opinions, but um, more about specific players in that situation and, and fewer people willing to go out on a limb as to how they think it's going to play out. So I think we're going to see how people think it's going to play out when uh, you know people have to draft or, or not draft these guys in certain spots. Because like all these guys are going to seem like values where they go. But, um, you know, like if, if somehow Trey Lance does win that job and Purdy doesn't play, you're going to be like, oh, I, I spent an 11th round on Purdy. But if he's the starter all year, I mean, my God, the value is immense. And so um, with the tight ends, like the, the next two rounds, you have some decent tight ends. Higby and Everett were both really good last year in spurts. Komet was a top 10 tight end last year. I know these guys will probably go a round or two higher than they are here, but are you guys okay with getting the late tight end and letting the value fall to you, or are you hard set on getting an early round tight end? I, I got I got screwed last year, right? I took Waller in the third round, uh, got hurt, and – boom, you know, it basically didn't turn into anything the remainder of the year. So I consciously made, all right, I'm going to pass on tight end. Let's see how it goes. Let's go with a couple super athletic tight ends that could turn into something. And then let's make sure I get that floor guy that, you know what, if Kincaid is just not getting the playing time, he's not getting the snaps, you plug Tyler Higby in. There was a four or five game stretch where he's getting 10, 11 targets for Matthew Stafford when he was healthy. So um, I think a lot of this, you see the athletic tight end, right? whether you look at Gerald Edward or Oconquo or Dolchik or Kincaid, Komet, you know, Higby is kind of that non-athletic guy, if you want to call him that. You know, he's just kind of a chain mover, but I think the value that you get here looks okay if you don't go early round tight end. Pat? Um, I'm always like sort of aghast at how far people push up tight ends in, in my Scott Fishbowl draft. Um, so, like, I'm probably not going to get one of the elite tight ends. It just, like, I don't see myself – well, I don't see Kelsey even being there for me at 106. Like, that's probably not even going to be an option. I, I kind of doubt Andrews is there at 206. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the earliest I've ever taken a tight end in the Scott Fishball was like my first year when I took like Delaney Walker in the eighth round or something like that. So I will probably once again go dumpster diving at the position and, uh, you know, try to cobble it together with the Sam Laportas and uh, Irv Smiths of, of the world. Yeah, it's uh, last year uh, I had Schultz and I took him way too early. Um, it did pay off at the end of the year, but man, I suffered for a little bit when he was struggling and uh, they had a quarterback, you know, quarterback injury that really took things down. So um, I think having depth is important if you don't get one of the top guys. Um, but even if you get one of the top guys, like don't forget about the depth. Don't grab a guy. If you, your second tight end should be someone that you're comfortable throwing in there. Cause in this format, it is just so important. So, uh, of course, get Kelsey if you can. But if you can't get Kelsey, 
and you get Dallas Goddard, one of the you know middle tier guys, you know middle middle tight end one guys. Don't punt it and then end up like I did right here, where I got Hayden Hurst. I should have gotten um, in that round, you know, round 10, 11, I should have went and got another guy instead of scooping up all those uh, running backs. Ooh, I don't know. Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst might be a little something this year. He looked good last year. Now I know he's going from Joe Burrow to a rookie quarterback, but uh, I I like that pick to be that second tight end for you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go through the rest of my team and then I'll let you guys do the same thing. I took Jerick McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, High upside guys on good offenses. McKinnon was absolutely on fire at the end of the season last year. If you had him in your fantasy football playoffs, you probably won your league unless you were facing against Travis Kelsey. Jeff Wilson, looking at Mike Clay's projections, Jeff Wilson is the RB1 for fantasy football purposes for Miami. Is that going to happen? I don't know. But I'll take a shot at it on the 13th round in, in a tournament style like this. Justin Tucker, I'm going to draft three or four kickers. I might be the first one to grab a kicker, but I'm at least going to gobble up four of them because I really do think that it was a, a difference maker last year for me. Won six or seven games in a row with three or four kickers in my lineup. TJ, DJ Chark, I think he's going to be the wide receiver one over there for Bryce Young. Um, he's really good when healthy, just got to stay healthy. Hayden Hurst, um, Jason Sanders, Michael Badgley, good kick, kickers on good offenses. Joshua Kelly, if Austin Eckler goes down, I don't know who's going to be the guy. Uh, I think that is a good spot for Ezekiel Elliott and some of the other guys. But until further notice, Josh Kelly, not Isaiah Spiller, is RB2 on the depth chart. And the coaching staff went to Josh Kelly, not Isaiah Spiller, last year. Van Jefferson, we'll see. Darius Slayton, we'll see. And then uh, Jake Moody, just because it's fun. Uh, Pat, any thoughts on those players? Yeah, um, I was just talking to someone about Jarek McKinnon earlier today. Like I, I like him more in best balls than in managed leagues. Cause yeah. I, like, I know last year I always had such a hard time ranking him every week. Um, you just like, he was doing so much damage with touchdowns on so few touches. I mean, he was getting a lot of targets in those, uh, those weeks when he was on a touchdown binge, but um, I don't know. It, it's, a little unpredictable with him. I like how you loaded up on the kickers. I might have to take a cue from you on that. And uh, I really liked the DJ Chark pick, who I think is, like, if I probably had to put money on anyone to lead Carolina in receiving yardage, I think I'd bet on Chark. Although I'm, I wouldn't do it with a great deal of confidence. Well, and, uh, you know, going back to Jerick McKinnon, uh, when I, I got to go to the combine, the interview running backs and the, Every single running back talked about protecting the quarterback as something that they're working on this offseason. Jerick McKinnon, at his size, somehow is one of the best bodyguards in football, and that keeps him on the field, and that's why he's back with Kansas City. And when it came down to two-minute you know, two offenses, it was really nice to have him on the field, and, and that's something that, that I picked up. Um, you know, Some of these rookie running backs, if they – they can't get on the field on third down, which is a money down because they can't protect the quarterback. And, and that's, that's definitely a problem for a lot of these running backs, especially the lighter ones that are built like McKinnon. But for whatever reason, McKinnon is just nasty at it. Um, Pat, any, any uh, thoughts on the rest of your picks? Yeah. I mean, uh, I did take a third quarter. 
I don't know, unlike a dynasty super flex league, there's maybe less value to having a third quarterback in the Scott Fishbowl because, um, you know, you can't automatically count on any quarterback you throw in there getting you double-digit points. With that scoring system, you could easily get negative points from a bad quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I took Kenny Pickett anyway. Threw a few darts on rookie receivers with uh, Tank Biggs, or rookie running backs, excuse me, with Tank Biggs, B, and Ty J. Spears. Um, you know, a couple more tight ends to throw on the fire. Mike Gesicki, who I'm actually sort of high on this year. Uh, yeah, like, I've, it was just so weird that the Dolphins, like, franchise tagged him and then, like, completely marginalized him last year. Now he's reunited with his old college coach at Penn State, Bill O'Brien, who's the Patriots' offensive coordinator. And look, I don't think uh, Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki are going to light the world on fire, but it should be pointed out the last time Bill O'Brien was calling plays for the Patriots, uh, their tight ends combined for like 2,300 yards and 24 touchdowns. So, um, yeah, that was Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Still, I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that Gesicki go, gets back on the tight end map this year. And then... Uh, you know, a few shots at receiver with Nico Collins and, and Sky Moore. Kind of holding out hope that maybe Sky Moore, like, we're so used to seeing rookie receivers make big impacts now. Um, maybe patience is warranted from a guy, for a guy who is going from the MAC conference to the NFL. And, uh, you know, things start to, to click for him in year two. So that's about it. I, I did take one kicker, Dave, following your lead. I, I grabbed Graham Graham Gano late. I, I like the shots on the running backs. Uh, one thing that was really interesting, normally you see like the quarterback change happen during the bye week. A lot of, che- a lot of teams change their running back after the bye week. Of course, you know, sometimes you saw injuries too, but you saw a lot of rookies, James Cook, Rashad White, taking over backfields, Tyler Algier, taking over backfields after the bye week or later in the season, fresh legs, Versus, you know, the guys that started the season that are either injured or, you know, slowing down. And you could really hit some massive, massive gains there at the end. So I really like that strategy. I'm probably going to steal some of that. Brad, any thoughts on on Pat's picks or my picks? No, I, I like the tight end calls, right? I mean, at this point, you're at, what, tight end 20-ish. So, again the athletic upside of Mike Gesicki, the athletic upside of Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know, I mean, Hayden Hurst was a first round tight end for crying out loud. Now I know that was like seven years ago or whatever, but uh, you know, we've seen these guys flash in the past. So being able to get that position, you know, a secondary tight end that late that has some upside. And then I agree with the rookie running backs as well, but not even just from a back half of the season perspective. I mean, Tank Bigsby, I feel like, is a guy that give you value coming out in week one, right? I, th- I You know, Doug Peterson's talked about that already. I think he's going to see some early down work. Uh, and if he proves that he can do well, uh, then I think he's going to build a little bit of a role for himself for the majority of the season. Um, so I, I really like the Bigsby pick as well. Let's talk about your picks and get out of here. Uh, so I had two kind of goals in mind here. The one was I want handcuffed running backs that don't really have any challengers. So Jalen Warren in Pittsburgh, if Najee Harris, knock on wood, we don't want that. But if he does happen to hurt himself, Jalen Warren has really no challengers there. 
you know, we saw him get a little bit of work last year as an undrafted free agent. We've heard Mike Tomlin rave about him and all these things. So I think he's a great, uh, you know, back end running back to kind of handcuff Najee Harris. Uh, Keontae Ingram, right, with Dave, you and I talked about him on a prior show uh, and him being somebody that if James Conner gets hurt is likely going to get the bulk of that work. And then Zamir White, even though we saw Las Vegas lean on Amir Abdullah last season for pass catching work, if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, Amir Abdullah is not the first and second down guy. It's going to be Zamir White. Uh, and I think those that's that was the main goal with the running back position in the wide receivers was, again, value. If I look at the three wide receivers that I took back to back to back, Isaiah Hodgins is the number one in his team. They're, they're, now, I know you could argue Darren Waller will be the one, but Isaiah Hodgins came in halfway through the season complete after being dropped by Buffalo and was the best player for the New York Giants on the offensive side of the ball outside of Saquon Barkley. So seeing him year two and new guys coming in, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, Wondell Robinson coming back off an of injury. He's going to be the – I'm projecting a little bit, but he, I feel like he's going to be the major target getter after Darren Waller there. And then John Mechie was kind of a shot. Hey, he could be the alpha in Houston uh, if he's able to come out in week one and play. We hope that health does work out for him. Uh, so, and so that was kind of the approach. And then all the news with Tim Patrick, maybe I'm reacting a little bit here, but – he was very usable before his injury two years ago. Uh, and then there was a lot of hype around him and Russell Wilson going into the season last year before he tore his ACL. And you're already hearing rumblings around how he looks really good coming back. And that was a very early ACL tear. So you hope he gets in and they're going to most likely uh, run quite a bit of three wide receiver sets, I would expect, even though there's a lot of hype around Sean Payton wanting to run the ball a lot. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. But that was that was the the two plays: backup running backs and uh, value wide receivers. Pat, any final thoughts? Yeah, loved his uh, loved the Hodgins pick, especially they have so many like smaller receivers with the Giants that you know Hodgins a big body like that, and it showed up when he had a what, four touchdown uh, outburst in like a five-week span last season. And uh, Tim Patrick, it's funny, like no one ever wants to give that dude any respect, but all the reports are like, yeah, that's that's Russ's guy. Russ loves him. And, yep. you know, then they're like going to Denver Nuggets playoff games together. So, like, I, he's going to go in the 18th round of every Scott Fishbowl draft and every home league draft and – you know, he's probably going to wind up as like the best receiver in Denver. It just it <laughs> seems like it's destined to happen that way. So, uh, but yeah, like it, it seemed like, uh, you know, Brad was almost appealing to me with some of these picks. I'm a big Trey Lance guy. I love Jelani Woods. Uh, yeah. So a, a 10 from the Eastern European judge here on the card. <laughs> well, um, make sure you, we should give our guests a follow, uh, Pat, I, I, I always talk about last year on the X. I, I was listening to Pat on the way up to the expo. First person I see at the bar is Pat. I'm like, all right, I got to go introduce myself. Um, so it's uh, such a nice guy. We end up talking about rookie running backs for at least an hour. Um, but make sure you give him a follow. Um, Pat, I appreciate you you're coming on. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Dave. Imagine that you would walk into a bar and see me there. Uh, just what a remarkable coincidence. I almost never go to bars. So, well, uh, I might see you and Brad this year at the <laughs> Expo. Oh, yeah. 
So um, everyone, as always, uh, make sure you uh, you know subscribe, give us your questions. Don't forget about the Discord. And Jakey would be mad if I didn't say. Hit that button. Hit that button. <laughs> Hit that subscriber button. Um, he wants to watch the show just for that part. So um, thanks, guys. Good luck this season. Cheers. <laughs>